I have like 50 beds in there, and this is the one you picked. Come on, Sage. I wanted heavy metal. I wanted. You know, I just wanted just speed drumming. What's wrong with Fly Like an Eagle? That's that's a fantastic song. I mean, but we're it's it's after five o'clock. We can play some of the edgier stuff. We're it's we're officially at the game after work. All right, Sage, Mitch Fortner, and Sage Williams. No, uh, Troy Coverdale. No, David G. Troy's on his way to Topeka. Tonight we have coverage of Manhattan High girls and boys basketball at Topeka West. A uh, couple of good games coming your way, and he'll have the call starting at about six o'clock. Roughly, you know, this is my seventh season of broadcasting Manhattan girls and boys basketball. The reason I'm here and I'm not going with them is, well, we wanted to have a live show. So somebody has to stay back and do it. So I was more than happy to do it. Somehow, Topeka West is still that one high school I've never been to. Never been to the gym, never seen a game there, never called a game there. And it sounds like I never will because Topeka West is now leaving the Centennial League. I'm going to be honest with you. The whole reason I'm doing this segment is because I just want to trigger the hell out of OU fans. I'm going to enjoy this. I think it is hilarious watching the total meltdown. But before we get there, the uh, the nominations were released earlier today for the Oscars. I got to say, I, I feel like I'm, pr- pr- I'm pretty cultured in movies, TV, music. But I got to be honest with you, these movies that were nominated for Best Picture, I have no idea. Nine out of the ten, I have never heard of. Belfast, never heard of it. Coda, never heard of it. Don't Look Up, never heard of it. Drive My Car, never heard of it. Dune, I don't have a clue. King Richard. Now, I do know that one because Will Smith is in it. Uh, and he was, I, I did see he was nominated for uh, Best Actor. But uh, Licorice Pizza? Am I saying that right? Licorice Pizza? Nah, never heard of it. Nightmare Alley? Never heard of it. The Power of the Dog? Never heard of it. Sounds like a Georgia documentary. Well, I think there's two on there. Don't look up and Dune. Those ones are huge. the uh, The rest really? of them, I'm with you. I don't know most of those, but those two are really big. And then West Side Story. I mean, does, does the Academy not know that movie was made 60 years ago? But apparently, this jabron named Steven Spielberg thought he had to do his own spin on it. Is it? Uh, is it the PC version of West Side Story? I'm not sure, actually, because I just kind of said to myself, I don't really want to go see it. Because <laughs> I've, I've never seen, I, I've heard things about the original West Side Story, and I, be, I believe it's pretty edgy content, right? Yeah, the original West Side Story can get a little edgy, for sure. I mean, the original musical itself. Was it, it, was, World, was it World War II West Side Story during that time? Like, that was the setting? Um, I mean, the setting was like gangs like up at each other but i'm not quite sure what the exact dates Mm. were okay so it was like new york city maybe Mm. i'm getting mixed up with another but it's like kind of racist right kind of a little i mean it is essentially a race war is the entire musical 
Yeah, that's all I know about. I don't know. Steven Spielberg, hey, man, best of luck. I Apparently, it's a great movie. I got on Rotten Tomatoes, and they say the best movie is Spider-Man No Way Home. Now, this is like the 18th Spider-Man movie made in the last 22 years, uh, and apparently they're all they're still good. Benedict Cumberbatch is in that movie. How about that? Is Tom Holland, is he Spider-Man? Yes. Right now, he is Spider-Man. So what happened to Tobey Maguire? Like, is is he just not feeling it anymore? I know he hasn't done it in a long time, but... Well, I don't want to, I mean, he's like, Spider-Man to me. No, Tobey Maguire is definitely Spider-Man. You have Tobey Maguire, Andrew Garfield, Tom Holland. Like, three eras of Spider-Man, He's a wheeze before... Sooner or later, Spider-Man's going to be the next uh, James Bond. The name of... The number of actors that play Spider-Man. Was Spider-Man always the same guy in the comics? Peter Parker never became somebody else? There's yeah, always Peter but Parker. they're all Peter... Peter Parker as well. Oh. So it is kind of like James Bond in a way. Why can't there be a James Johnson Spider-Man? I don't I don't think that's a thing. I just, I don't know. Here, here's a hot take. They need to kill off a, a, a superhero once in a while. You know? Well, you could argue that they have sort of with like the Avengers movies, I guess. Easy with the spoilers. Yeah, no, I'm not I have trying no idea to get what you're into talking it. about. Yeah. I would recommend that you watch those a little bit and see what's going on. Oh, I think I know what you're talking about. Eh, he was a punk anyway. <laughs> Cocky, rich, thought he was the man. Could have treated women better, you know? Well, now you got to get easy on the spoilers. <laughs> nah, it's probably one of those things, like, if you don't know, you probably will never, you're probably not interested anyway. Um, <laughs> Let's see, who who else did I see in there? Like, also, like, I think it was the actors. Like, I had no idea who some of them were. Uh, the women, I, I knew all th- five of the women. Oh, I guess I know Denzel Washington, of course. The Tragedy of Macbeth. So now they, that's, that's Shakespeare, right? Is that, like, actually Macbeth or it was like a spin on it? Do you know what I'm talking about? I, obviously, I know Macbeth itself as the play, but I honestly didn't know that there was a movie that was like remade of it i had no idea about that all right anyway time to trigger some oklahoma fans um this was earlier today on the herd you heard with purd uh the herd with colin cowherd i believe that's what they call the show i'm not gonna make it fun of it too much i mean once upon a time i put the in front of half of my last name and made it a nickname um so this was earlier today when colin cowherd was speaking with lincoln riley about bringing some folks from OU to USC. A handful of Oklahoma players, Caleb Williams, the most notable, Mario Williams, great receiver, uh, Latrell McCutcheon, excellent young corner. Um, You brought a couple of Oklahoma kids over, really, really good players, but you also went to Stanford, and you went to Oregon, and you went to Washington, and you went to Colorado. Was it... um, was it a delicate situation where your heart was in Oklahoma for so long, you leave... And you'll and you want to bring some players over, but you know it's sensitive. Was that kind of a was that a tough situation? I think so, but I think the transfer portal kind of handles a lot of that. You know, I we didn't take players from Oklahoma. We took players from the transfer portal. You know, those players and their families had to make a decision to either stay at that university just like any other player has to make, or to enter the portal where then they can be recruited by anybody in the country. And that's up to those players and their families, and we have nothing to do with that. But once they, once a player gets into a, a portal where they are open to any school in the country, 
we would be crazy not to take a look at that and try to help our football team. All right. So here's the big part of that clip. We didn't take players from Oklahoma. We took players from the transfer portal. Oklahoma fans are absolutely bent out of shape when they heard that comment. Because, and I, I, I will agree with you this, with this, uh, on this one, uh, OU fans. Yeah, I bet that was tough when your coach decided to go to USC and then over a span of a couple of months, who you thought was going to be your star quarterback for another season uh, after he just explodes with talent in the Red River Showdown. And Kayla Williams, he decides to jump into the transfer portal and go to USC. I mean, we can be real here. Lincoln Riley is talking out his rear end when he says we didn't take players from OU. We took them out of the transfer portal. That's that's not necessarily a lie. It's just, I mean, come on. We knew that he had his he he had Caleb Williams wrapped around his finger in a way. Caleb Williams initially was playing for Lincoln Riley at Oklahoma. And we've seen moves like this before where coaches make changes and they go somewhere else and they take players with them. And the thing is, Caleb Williams, he was there. Like That's, I get, where the kind of the heartbreak is. Caleb Williams, when Brent Venables was introduced as the new Oklahoma head coach, who was like the first player that walked out with him? Caleb Williams. Like, so I, it kind of makes me wonder, like, how long was the charade? Is, was there a charade going on? Was it always in the works? And was Caleb Williams just trying to make a, uh, you know, make it through an appearance so he could play in the, the bowl game? You know, I don't know the answers to that. But it was in early December when Brent Venables was announced to be the new head coach at Oklahoma. It wasn't until a month later that Caleb Williams announced that he was going into the transfer portal. And it wasn't until another 27 days when he announced it the first of this month that he's going to be transferring to USC. A move that shocked nobody, but there was a pretty big window between transfer portal and decision to go to USC. Let's remember that Kayla Williams was the number one quarterback in the recruiting class of 2021. Dual threat kid. He had 23 offers on the table. He did take a visit to multiple places. He went to Clemson, LSU, Georgia, Ohio State, Oregon, Penn State multiple times. He never though did make a visit to USC, but he did get an offer from USC. And I'll, I bet you that those schools were trying to get after him. Doesn't matter who they had a quarterback, they were going to try to get Caleb Williams, the best uh, quarterback in the class of 2021, and obviously was very good with the Oklahoma Sooners in kind of a, well, let's see, he played 11 games, so there's just two he didn't compete in. But he did finish out with 21 touchdowns and four interceptions. But Oklahoma fans, when you just outburst with rage, you're letting him win. Just forget about the guy. Getting mad about it, getting bent out of shape, I understand the reaction. But when you overreact, it turns Lincoln Riley into an Oklahoma Sooner heel, and he's kind of winning the battle before he even coaches a game. Oklahoma does not have USC on the schedule coming up whatsoever. In the near future, in 15 years from now, nothing. 
has been scheduled. Well, I'd love to see it happen here in the near future. That would be very interesting headlines. But now Brent Venable, it's not like you don't have a bad coach to replace him. A guy that can recruit from the area, Brent Venables, obviously coached under Bill Snyder. Well, so did Bob Stoops. And Brent Venables is you know kind of the man. K-State would love to have Brent Venables. Brought Jared Kanick over from Clemson to Oklahoma. Did he just bring him over after that commitment? You can argue he did so. What about Jeff Lebby? I mean, Jeff Lebby, the Sooners quickly bring over a transfer quarterback. Well, this quarterback played for Jeff Lebby at at UCF. And he played two seasons and three games. He has three years of eligibility remaining. He did a pretty damn good job. The longevity out of Dylan Gabriel, who I was talking about, the quarterback, probably getting more out of here than Kayla Williams because Kayla Williams probably is going to hang around too long if he's successful enough at the college level, which most likely he will be and won't be sticking around for too much longer. After this year, he is eligible for the NFL draft, and he's pretty solid. I mean, it took one game. It took an appearance by Kayla Williams in the Texas game And people are already talking, should he be considered a contender for the Heisman Trophy? And he played one game weeks into the season. Get over it, Oklahoma fans. Yes, he took your quarterback. But he also took a wide receiver and a quarterback that have a ton of potential. You don't care about them. You're just upset that he took your quarterback. But hey, you're Oklahoma, right? Should be able to find a new one. Let's take a timeout. When we come back, breast up Bruce up next. Now that is more like it. Slayer. This is at this once played in uh, at uh, Bill Snyder Family Stadium in the last game. It's because I, I gave the 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 music guy gave him some uh, new songs to play on third down, and that was one of them. Uh, and for those that don't know, that song is called "Angel of Death." By the way, I guess Tom Brady does have a podcast. It's called Let's Go. It's hosted by Jim Gray, and it's on SiriusXM. To me, it's not so much a podcast. It's more like a biweekly interview with Tom Brady. Or they, they switch off. It's either Tom Brady or Larry Fitzgerald that does this interview. And it's like 30 minutes every week. Uh, let's see. I think it's every week. Okay, so I see what they do here. So it's like – so Tom and Larry, they both do a show or an interview – Every week, and they just upload them each individually. Okay, I see what's going on here. But it is a weekly thing. Yeah. Cool. I listened to a little bit, fell asleep. It was, it was, uh, it wasn't very entertaining. I'll be honest with you. Welcome back to the game. Mitch and Sage with you. No Troy, no David G, but we are now going to Bruce Weber. Coach Weber did speak with the media earlier today. Got Baylor coming up tomorrow inside of Bramlage Coliseum. And to kick things off with the media from earlier today, Coach was asked about 
An update on Selton Miguel and his ankle injury. Uh, get involved a little bit in practice yesterday. You know, he, you can still see he's the ankle's not there, the foot, ankle, whatever. You know, it's not perfect by any means. Uh, but, you know, he was pushing it and, you know, we'll see how he responds. I think the big thing each day, you're pushing a little more and see how you can respond. I, you know, he wants to play, but, uh, you know, we'll see. Well, that'll be a decision, Luke, and, and we make after, you know, probably today's practice to see if, if, if he's even remotely ready yet. But I would hope maybe the end of the week. Uh, originally, I kind of thought Saturday or Monday, but he's been pushing it to try to get back. So, you know, happy that he, you know, wants to get back and help us. Uh, but we'll see. We don't want to go too fast. And then he's out for the next next four or five games. Big week coming up. You guys win one or both of these games, I feel like people will start having you guys as a potential NCAA tournament team. Do you dangle that in front of the kids at all? I mean, we talked about that the whole year. I mean, it's, uh, you know, that's your goal. You know, you want to get in the NCAA tournament and how do you do it? And you got to get wins. You got to get to a certain point. Obviously, uh, Wednesday, you know, they're all good opportunities. Our teams are in our league are, you know, all up in the top part of the, you know, the net ratings. But Baylor, you know, at home is a game where if you get them, they're probably a top 10 team, you know, not only rating wise, but in the power ratings. So it would be a it would be another nice mark on your resume. So, you know, but we we just got to keep grinding, fighting one game at a time. You, you brought it up after the game. You know, you won two, you know, against Texas Tech and Tech. Couldn't keep it to three, you know, couldn't get it going to three. Uh, and that's that's the big thing, getting some consistency down the stretch. You know, it's but it obviously Wednesday is not not going to be easy. They're they're a very good team. Uh, you know, I think they're as good as anybody on both ends of the court in our in our league. You know, Kansas offensively is really good. Texas Tech has their strengths, but Baylor's efficiency on both ends of the court is really tough to deal with. I also wanted to ask if you could take me back to uh, one of the first times you saw Nigel. You, you and Chris seemed to be way out in front on him, S- seemed to notice this potential way before anybody else. What was it that you noticed first off the bat that made you think this guy's going to be really good as a college player? You know, just his feel. He has that, you know, I always say the Indiana fundamentals. You know, I was in that state for a long time and around that state for you know, most of my coaching career. And there is something, you know, each area of the country has some unique characteristics of their players, how they grow up, the coaching, and he just has that feel, that natural understanding. I know his dad had some influence when he was young, working with them and getting great fundamentals shooting-wise. Obviously, he's had some good teachers along the way. It's just, uh, and his calmness, I, sometimes, I, you know, we want him to have a bigger voice, be more of a leader. Uh, you know, he's trying to do that. It's not natural, but part of his strength is his calmness and coolness. He, you know, he doesn't seem to get rattled. He stays at a good pace. You know, some people have gotten into him at different times and and made it tough on him, but, uh, you know, he, he does come back and, and respond and, and, and finds a way to get, make a play and, you know, get a shot off, you know, or, or make a play for somebody else. So you get a triple double at peach jam and you're the first guy. And I mean, there's pretty good players through the years that have gone through that. I mean, that's pretty impressive. I, I know after that, he had already committed to us. Then the recruiting got very hot and heavy nationally and credit to Nigel and his family. You know, we were there first and, and gave him the love and attention and 
and they stuck with us. And, you know, obviously it's benefiting us. And I think it's benefited him too, because he got thrown in, went into the wolves last year, but dealing with all the last year, having the ball in his hands, all the things he had to do, it's helped make him a better player a year. He's, he's continued to improve. There's no doubt. Has your staff arrived at a conclusion that, or how did it arrive at a conclusion that pushing the tempo a little bit, getting out in transition was beneficial to you guys? I, you know, after, uh, I don't know what it was after Baylor, I think maybe it was after Mississippi. I even, you know, I kept texting the guys late at night, coaches and questions and just, I, you know, make them think. And, you know, as you're watching film, think about this, what can we do? You know, and I, I we all came to the conclusion that Sunday morning after Mississippi, we, we have to try to beat up the game, the tempo a little bit, use, use Marquise and Nigel's strengths, get into some more movement, use our, like I said, use our strengths. And that's, you know, it's been a pretty effective. We've gotten pretty good movement. We scored the ball better. Uh, you know, it, it always helps to make shots, but you, a lot of times you make shots because, you know, you get good shots. If you, if you don't get good shots, then you don't get to the paint. You know, that's, that's, you know, now you're going to struggle offensively. So I think the pushing it a little bit, getting the guys moving, getting it side to side. I think all that stuff is, is definitely helped us. And that's probably the, your biggest fear with Baylor. We did not get many paint touches. We did not score in the paint. They just kicked our butt on the, if you look at the stats and I told the guy 38 to 20 points in the paint, they almost doubled us. So we're going to have to protect the paint, even though they're a great shooting team, but they're, we're going to have to protect that paint, limit that. And we're going to have to try to get there. Coach, I was going to ask about James Akinjo because we did not see him in Waco and maybe the uh, issues that he presents. He just seems to be so good at, as they say these days, getting downhill, he can really play. Yeah, he with the ball, getting downhill, getting to the paint. Great. Just a really good score with the ball. Kind of that, you know, you'd look at him, you'd say he's a point guard, but he's kind of more of a combo guard because he can score the basketball um, in a lot of ways. And with their athleticism with at the other positions, you know, they can run this into those ball screens. They, you know, he get you give him any space off a ball screen and you're putting yourself in a bind. You know, we're gonna have to stay connected with them. We're gonna have to be at those line of the ball screens and, and not allow him to see space. I think that's gonna be a big not see the paint and not see space. I think that'll be the biggest thing with defending him. The other question is a little bit out there and I just wanted to ask anyway, because a lot of people are talking about, is Nigel a first team all Big 12 kind of guy? Do you take into consideration when you vote how teams finish in relation to players that should or should not be on first team all Big 12? Well, I think it's pretty obvious. And I, I, I said this to our guys years ago at this at SIU. I, I asked them, I said, would you rather be all conference or win the conference? Would you rather be all American or go to the final four? I said, that's, it's a hard question because it's hard to swallow your ego. Obviously you want to be all conference, you know, you want to be all American, you want to, but if you really study it, who makes all conference for the most part? The teams that win and who makes all American. I went to my team at Illinois, went to the final four. We had three guys all American. They didn't, none of them averaged over 15 points a game. If you win, obviously you get more exposure, you get more opportunities, and you're probably going to get more accolades. So, you know, but it, I think it's just what happens. It's it's a byproduct of it. But at the same time, there's good players that have made all conference and, you know, they're not in the top three teams. And, you know, if you're a, a really good player like Nigel, he's been as consistent as anyone. I was talking to Kellis, a uh, couple of people after the game, but 
he, you know, number-wise, consistency-wise, he's been pretty good. Now he's got to do this the rest of the year, obviously. And if we win, it's going to help him. But I, I, I know with him, and the most important thing, you know, we got to keep winning. What have you and your staff kind of done, especially with with, with Casey and Ish, to try and keep them up and in a good place mentally, and 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 hopefully leading back to a little more on-court production. I, I mean, every day they get an opportunity in practice and, you know, just, I mean, that's with all guys. It, it, if you play well in practice, you get it. It helps your confidence. It helps the coaches trust in you. And I think that's the biggest thing. And, you know, Ish is always around us. Uh, I would bet almost every off day or even days that, you know, we have practice. He comes in early, he asks Coach Southwell to shoot or, or one of the other guys. He, he, want, he wants to have success. He wants to stay involved. So it's not a, Problem Casey, I've said, is, is probably dedicated to taking care of his body as anybody. You know, he's just got to, when he gets opportunities, he's got to finish. And um, and then he's got to, you know, make sure he stays out of foul trouble. His biggest thing has been the, the fouls on the screens. I think sometimes there's so many screens in games. Uh, I was watching a TCU game, and they called an illegal screen on him. And I was like, golly, there's probably 20 other ones that were way worse in the game. But he's gotten that. You know, with the officials, he's gotten that habit of sticking his butt out, sticking his leg out, and now they just like automatically call it. And that's that's big his biggest thing. We just keep telling him you can't foul. Allow yourself to us to feel good about it and you feel good about it. And uh, you know, hopefully he can contribute. I was happy with Carlton the other night. I thought he'd give us a good boost. He's uh, you know, if he if he'll play strong. Uh, and that's going to be a big test against these guys on Wednesday and on Saturday because the Iowa State big guys are very, very physical. They may be not as mobile, but they're very physical. And, uh, you know, that's Carlton's biggest obstacle, just, I think, playing strong, playing confident, playing strong. There you have it. Best of Bruce Weber here on the game as we get set for the Baylor game tomorrow in Bramlage, 7 o'clock for the tip, pregame at 6 with Wyatt Thompson and Stan Weber. Number one song of the day, up next. Ah, yes. 1975. Loving You by Minnie Ripperton. One week at number one. Now, what happened to the hard rock? You want to rock out and have your face melted. Number one song of the day is a little bit different. First of all, we all know metal songs don't go number one. Everybody's bias out there. They just don't enjoy the talent. By the way, turn it back up. Got to give the people what they want. Minnie is an American singer-songwriter. She was an American singer-songwriter from Chicago. She actually started as a teenager performing backing vocals for Chicago-based Chess Records. She worked with recording-established artists like Etta James, Ramsey Lewis, Bo Diddley, Chuck Berry, and Muddy Waters. She was one of the first celebrities to ever go public with a breast cancer diagnosis. But she did not disclose that it was terminal 
cancer. And in 1977, she became a spokesperson. She became a, uh, I was about to say the, but just a spokesperson for the American Cancer Society. Unfortunately, she died of breast cancer in 1979 at the age of 31. That is young. Man, that is glass-shattering high notes. In 1978, she did receive the American Cancer Society's Courage Award, which was presented to her at the White House by President Jimmy Carter. During recording times, she recorded 60 new albums, and she is a one-hit wonder, and it's from her second album, Perfect Angel. Now, for those that don't know, oh, uh, Minnie Ripperton... She wrote this song about her husband, Richard Rudolph. You may know their daughter, Maya Rudolph. She became famous from Saturday Night Live, but of course went on to act in movies. Um, as a matter of fact, you can hear Minnie Ripperton sing Maya, 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 Maya at the end of the song. Let me know when the song is coming up towards the end and we'll turn it back up. Goodness. This might be it. This might be it, right here? Yeah, turn it back up. That was for their daughter, Maya Rudolph. Ripperton worked with Stevie Wonder as a backup singer, and Stevie, such a great guy that he is, he actually produced this track for her. But due to contractual obligations, Stevie Wonder's name could not appear on the credits, so he went under the name Black Bull Productions. Take it easy, everybody. Bull, zodiac sign for Taurus, or Taurus, Taurus. I think it's Taurus. Taurus. Yeah. yeah. Uh, A bull. Uh, Now, what this song was also featured in, it wasn't the actual, like, recording of it, but you might remember Beverly D'Angelo and Wayne Newton performed this song together in the 1997 hit movie Vegas Vacation. And Beverly hits those high notes. Loving You was ranked number 46 on Billboard's Top 50 love songs of all time. But it didn't make it onto the list of top songs of all time? Did not. As far as I know, I actually didn't check. Now I kind of need to check. I don't know. I'll I'll do that during the break. We'll get to uh, ask us anything when we come back. Well, this is the part of the show where I just hand the reins over to Sage because she's come up with some questions for us. Ask us anything. Yes. All right. What is something that you would not do for $10 million? I mean, that's a lot of money, you know. Die? I mean, die? <laughs> you wouldn't die for $10 yeah. million? Not worth it. Well, how does how does one measure that? I mean, you're going to die eventually. I mean, there's a lot of stuff I would do for $10 million. Well, yeah, things you would do, but things you wouldn't do, really. 
Oh, man, that is really on the spot. Really searching <laughs> the mind. Um, like, if you put me in a room like this size, and this size, this room is probably 12 by 12. Mm-hmm. Uh, not a big room. Maybe a, bit, a little bigger than that. Um, but, uh, like, if I had to be in this room for, like, a day with a giant snake... Oh, wouldn't okay. do it. Fair, fair. I couldn't. Uh, there's no way I could do it. Interesting. So you have a phobia of snakes. I have a <laughs> phobia of being close to snakes. Okay. Like if I'm not <laughs> at a safe distance or like there's a safe sheet of glass mm-hmm. between us. Yeah, I'm not really. A, I'm not feeling it. Okay. See, I think for me, it's kind of like I wouldn't want to be in, in like an enclosed room with nothing no one in there you know one of those isolation chambers i think that makes you go crazy and i think i would go crazy within like two days no i don't think for any money i would do that (laughs) um what fictional character do you think you would get along with maybe you'd be best friends with them man these are really good questions i gotta like really think because there's obviously hundreds of fictional characters and i'm only supposed to pick one um, Jim Halpert. Okay. I think we would be boys. We have a lot in common. Um, ooh. Because I'm going to my favorite show, which is The Office. Of course. Um, yeah, Jim definitely stands out. I honestly, like, I don't think I'd get along with Michael. I think I would get along with Michael, though. On, on like, the opposite spectrum. I, I could get along with both of them, but for different reasons. Like, I could deal with Michael. <laughs> And, um, I'm trying to think of like a like a, a, a female fictional character that I really get along with. Okay. Um, Peggy Hill. Interesting. Peggy okay. Hill is my speed. Like she is definitely more outgoing, but with a temper. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, I know exactly what you mean. <laughs> um, and then finally, how long past its expiration date are you willing to keep food around? Depends what we're talking about. If it's like a can of food, years. Oh, yeah. Years for that kind of um, food. If it was like milk, I think the uh, shelf life is like a week past it's, the date. It's something like that. Although, with milk lately, I've been getting a lot of milk that expires before its expiration date. Like, I can smell it. Oh my and God. I don't know what's going on with my milk. And I, I think with like fruit and stuff, that's kind of hard to keep past a certain amount of time. You know what I mean? There's not well, really. You usually know when the fruit's done. You could just look at it. You don't have to give it the sniff test or the t- yeah. the feel. It's or just anything getting like kind that. of mushy. Yeah. You can see. Ew. No. <laughs> so. Me with bananas. You know when they're past its ripe stage. Right. Oh, everybody likes a banana and a certain ripeness. Is that a word? Ripeness. Well, you anyway. can also keep bananas past their ripeness for like like banana bread if you wanted to freeze your. Well, bananas. I'm not a cook, so. <sighs> <laughs> or should, I should say a baker. I'm not a baker, so I don't think about those kind of things. Well, baking, I feel like, could be easier than cooking at that point. I've never really tried baking. I've made brownies one time. Okay. They were a hit. 
uh, because I found the easiest brownies I could possibly make, which is like the box for two bucks. Easy. And they're actually kind of the best brownies. <laughs> don't need you to be too complicated. And by the way, don't put nuts in brownies. <laughs> you just ruin them. <laughs> All right, that's going to do it for the game. Standing by is Troy Coverdale. He'll be coming to you shortly with Manhattan High Basketball at Topeka West. For Sage, I'm Mitch. Later.